who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. Sidewalk Audio presents Shadow Magic. A podcast novel by John Lennon. Read by the author. Chapter 19. The Shadow Casting. We walked among the rowan trees in fading light. It soon would be pitch dark. Not that that would bother our escorts. The feely seemed to be as much of these woods as the trees themselves. Fergal walked like a man in a trance. I caught up to him. Are you cool about this? I asked. Fergal gave me a strange look. I'm a bit cool, but it's pleasant out. <laughs> Sorry, that's not what I meant, I laughed. Are you worried about finding out who your parents are? Ah, no. Well, yes. I, I don't know what to think, he said. I just have to know. All my life I've been fantasizing about having parents. I feel I won't be whole until I find out. Can you understand that? If anyone understands that, my friend, it's me. I stopped him, and I gave him a hug and whispered in his ear, No matter what happens, Fergal, I'm here for you. And I for you, Connor, he replied and slapped me on the back. I gave him a dirty look for the slap. He returned it with a twinkling smile. We arrived into a glade surrounded by a ring of very old rowan trees. Light was provided by glowing pine cones in glass holders. The golden glow showed the seriousness on everyone's faces. It made me want to crack a joke, but I decided against it. Maybe I was growing up a bit, or maybe I was just chicken. Mom sat cross-legged on the ground next to two large bowls. We all sat around her. Before we begin, she announced, we must state our intentions. Shadow magic, like any power, can be corrupted. Only by keeping our motives pure can sins, like those in the past, be avoided. This sap, she pointed to the bronze bowls full of the stuff, was given freely by trees who knew what it was for. We thank them. The feely in the circle thanked the trees aloud, and then so did we. Mom continued. 
Fergal of Orr, come sit by me. Fergal stood up, flashed a forced Fergalish smile to Araf and me, and sat opposite Deirdre. Do you, Fergal of Orr, come to this shadow casting freely? I do, Fergal replied. Why do you seek this shadow casting? I want to know who my parents are. Do you seek this knowledge out of malice or revenge? I just want to know, Fergal said. His eyes sparkled in the shadow light. Very well, she said. I shall instruct the runes to tell us of your life as it has affected others. This may be painful to watch and difficult to share. Are you still willing? Fergal thought for a bit, then answered with resolve. I am. We shall begin. Mom waved her hand, and the pinecone lights dimmed. She took a pebble-sized dollop of sap and rubbed it between her palms. She spoke in a language I didn't understand. Oham, the oldest tongue, the language of the trees. She pressed the ball of sap between her hands and spoke the Oham word, Beeth. Mom looked to me for recognition. When she saw none, she translated, Beeth, birch. She opened her hand, revealing a glowing amber disc. When she turned it over, it was engraved with a rune, the beech rune. She carefully placed it on the ground between her and Fergal. She rolled and pressed another bit of sap between her palms. Lewis. Rohan. A second glowing rune was placed next to the birch one. The next rune she made sent a chill down my spine. She said, Cull. Hazel. The hazel rune. My mother's rune. The real one was destroyed. Here was its shadow. Mom made a point of showing it to me before she placed it with the rest. She continued to produce runes for a long time. Farron. Alder. Sal, Willow, Nun, Hawthorn, Door, Oak, Tain, Holly, Court, Apple, Mun, Vine, Or, Heather, Nun, Ash, Gort, Ivy, Gatal, Reed, Streif, Blackthorn, Lewis, Alder, Ilum, Silver Fir, Ong, Gorse, Edith, Poplar, Ioho, Yew. Each rune was placed in a specific order. When she was finished, I couldn't help thinking how it reminded me of an old chemistry class. There were empty spaces for runes not yet discovered just like in the periodic table of elements. She rubbed one last ball of sap between her palms and told Fergal to extend his hands. And Ohim, and then in the common tongue, she said, Fergal of Orr, this is your last chance to back away. Is it your wish to go on? Fergal instantly said, Yes. 
I would have been disappointed with him if he hadn't, especially when I could see in my mother's face how much effort it had taken for her to make all of the shadow runes. She placed the ball of sap into Fergal's palm and then pressed his hands together. This rune you make, Fergal, will be blank. Only a choosing in the Hall of Choosing can give you a proper rune. But your shadow rune will complete this casting. Fergal opened his hands like a book. Deirdre took the rune and placed it in the center of the pattern. Then it began. The runes began to glow, then to flame. Not a candlelight flame, but a soft, almost invisible flame, like the fire on a gas stove. The flames rolled along the ground between the runes. In some cases, the runes expelled the fire. Other runes absorbed the flames. After a few moments, it was clear to see that some runes were joined with others by fire. Mom picked up the flaming runes and arranged them so that the runes joined by fire were together. The fire obviously didn't burn. This was shadow fire, not the real thing. When she had finished, Mom had five shadow bonfires before her. She sat cross-legged in front of them, her face fixed in concentration. Her hands, still burning with shadow fire, were outstretched at her sides. Fergal sat opposite, unmoving. They were both bathed in the same amber glow. Looking at them, I couldn't help think how different they were from each other. Opposites, in fact. Still, these two opposites were locked eye to eye, both bent on the same goal. It sent a chill down my spine. Mom waved a hand over a group of flaming runes, and its flame increased and the others subsided. The flames grew higher until forms appeared. I began to make out a face and was surprised when I realized it was mine. The vision cleared, and I found myself looking into a fiery 3D movie of Fergal's life. Around the edges, the apparition was a golden blur, but at the heart, it was crystal clear. The images ran fast and made no sound, but I heard what was happening in my, in my soul. Like a conversation with a tree, it surpassed language. It was pure understanding. We watched... The whole story of Fergal and my meeting, the shoe theft, the comedy of him knocking me out, the terror of the boar attack, and the courage of our stand against the banshees and the reedlands. More than just seeing, I was understanding Fergal from Fergal's point of view. I had already decided that he was a good man, not perfect, but worthy of my trust. Now, the shadow magic confirmed it. Fergal was a true free spirit. I saw that living to him was a joy and that malice was a waste of time. I realized that I loved him. How could I not? The images of Fergal and me dimmed as Mom brought up a fire in another set of runes. Visions formed before us, a young and very cute Fergal practicing sword and bantastic fighting with a raff. Fergal won most of the sword fights, but never even came close to winning the stick fights. Another collection of runes showed Fergal turning down a kiss from a pretty young imp girl. Not because he didn't like her, but because he didn't want her to get teased for kissing a banshee. It nearly broke my heart. Another rune fire showed Fergal and his nanny Brieth. 
Blissful images of walks in the woods, baths, kisses, and being tucked into bed made my heart ache. Fergal may not have known his real parents, but he had the kind of motherly love I had always dreamt about. Finally, Deirdre calmed all of the fires except one. This was it. This was the rune fire that had the answer. The other fire sputtered and went out as the last group of runes roared with an amber inferno, a third higher than the rest. We all leaned in, trying to make sense of the forms. As the vision cleared, we saw Brieth, Fergal and Araf's nanny. She was washing her hands in the tent. Could that be it? Was Breath Fergal's mother? No. Breath walked to a bed where a heavily pregnant woman screamed in labor. Wild, jet-black hair with a white streak covered her face. She was a banshee. This was Fergal's mother. It was the moment of his birth. Breath was the midwife, but who was the mother? The contraction stopped. The banshee mother fell back into the bed, her face still obscured. Brieth said, It's almost over, dear, and pushed the hair away from the mother's face. It was Mina, Kielty's banshee sorceress, the one who had bewitched Eth and made the screaming shell for Kielty in the race. That's when the realization shot through my mind like a lightning bolt. If his mother was Mina, then his father must be... Then he walked into vision. Fergal's father. Kielty. A gasp went through the group. Why didn't I see this coming? Mina looked up and saw that Kielty had entered. She pushed her hair back in an attempt to look better and smiled at him. Is it done? she asked. Kielty smiled broadly. It is done. Now are you king? Soon. Mina smiled. And I shall be your queen? Kielty's smile vanished. I don't think so. Mina sat up, confused. You don't think I could have a banshee for a queen, do you? Kielty said banshee like it was a profanity. What would people say? Mina went to attack him, but was struck by another set of contractions. She fell back onto the bed, screaming. Brieth came up behind Kielty and told him that he should leave and not upset the girl. Kielty answered her with a backhand punch that sent her across the tent, unconscious on the floor. You have been very helpful, Kielty said to Mina, but I'm afraid your usefulness has run out. I don't know if Mina was screaming from the pain of labor or because she saw the sword. Either way, the screaming stopped abruptly when Kielty chopped her head off. Fergal freaked. He screamed, No! and tried to stand. Mom reached through the fire and grabbed him by the collar. It is dangerous to leave before we are done. Her voice meant business. Please, Fergal cried. His face was soaked with tears. I, I don't make me watch this. He was begging by the end. 
I don't want to see any more either, Fergal, but we must. The shadow magic would crush us if we broke the casting. We are almost finished. I wasn't sure if I was allowed to or not, but I had to go to him. I got up and sat next to Fergal and put my arm around him. Araf did the same on the other side, and Essa held him from behind. Sobs racked Fergal as together we watched to the end. In the vision we saw Kielty pick up an oil lamp and walk to the entrance of the tent. Then, without a motion, he smashed the lamp on the ground. He turned and exited, leaving the tent aflame. Brieth came too before the flames reached her. I wished I had met her. She must have been a remarkable woman. When she saw what had happened to Mina, she allowed herself only a second of horror. Then she pulled a knife from her sock, jumped on the bed to avoid the flames, and went to work. Brieth performed a caesarean section. She made a careful incision in Mina's midriff and gently removed Fergal from his dead mother's body. Just as swiftly, she tied off the umbilical cord, cut through the side of the tent, and escaped into the night, leaving the evidence of Fergal's birth to burn behind her. It is done, Deirdre said, her shoulders slumping with exhaustion. Fergal collapsed, shaking on a raft's lap. He was beyond weeping. He was, as the Irish say, keening. A soft, constant wail came from his throat. There was nothing to say. What could I say? I remember an adopted friend who had hired a detective to find her real mother. She told me that all of her life she had dreamed that her real parents were some sort of aristocracy and that she was really a princess. She told me how much it hurt when she found out that her mother was just a poor, uneducated woman who had tried to forget her. I saw how much pain it had caused her. I couldn't imagine what Fergal was going through. Fawn prepared a sleeping draft. We got Fergal to his feet, and by the time we arrived at our room, he was amazingly calm. Araf and I offered to help him get ready for bed, but he shooed us away. He said he wanted to just lie and think. He promised he would take the sleeping draft in a little while. Outside, a voice came out of the dark. How is he? It was Essa. Who knows? I'm freaked out after seeing that stuff, I said. Fergal won't be getting over this in a hurry. Essa nodded. I, too, won't be able to sleep. Would you like to walk a bit? Go on, Araf said. I'll keep watch here until Fergal sleeps. The night had gotten so dark, walking was actually dangerous. The first thing I did was trip over a small boulder. Are you all right? Essa said, with a tone that sounded like real concern. Ow, I hurt my leg, but hey, I only need that for walking. Let me have a look, she said, as she crouched down. How are you going to look? If there was any light around here, I wouldn't have smashed into the damn rock. Essa turned her palms face up in front of her face and closed her eyes. Then she whispered, Lamprog. A light twinkling in the distance came at us. As it got closer, I actually had to shield my eyes. It was one of those nuclear-powered fireflies. Another one came from behind me. They landed on S's fingers as she looked at my bruised skin. 
It's only a little bump, you baby. Hey, you're the one making a big deal out of it, I said. I just said I hurt my leg. You were the one that went all Florence Nightingale on me. Florence who? Never mind. Why don't we just sit here for a while? She sat opposite me, cross legs. A firefly landed on each knee. She whispered to them, and they dimmed. Can you teach me that firefly trick, or is it a chick thing? I don't know what a chick thing is, but you have to be a bit of a sorcerer to do it. But since Deirdre is your mother, I think you could be taught. She smiled at me. Her face was bathed in firefly light. She was beautiful, and I desperately wanted to kiss her, but the last time I kissed her, she decked me. Like she was reading my mind, she said, I'm sorry I hit you back there in the reedlands. Don't worry about it. It was a learning experience. Next time I'm in a life-or-death situation with a beautiful woman, I'll ask before I kiss her. I didn't hit you because of the kiss. I hit you because you sounded like you were giving up. Oh, so you, uh, liked the kiss then? I didn't say that, she said, smiling, a Mona Lisa-like smile that I couldn't quite read. I returned her smile with a swashbuckling grin. Let me put it this way. If I were to, say, kiss you now, would you punch my lights out again? I'm not sure, she said. That is just the chance you will have to take. I looked deep into her eyes. I had to make sure I was reading this right. I mean, this girl packed a serious punch, and I had enough concussions for a week. Hell, for a lifetime. I held her gaze, and her eyes gave it away. She wasn't looking for a fight. I was sure of it. At least, I think I was. If I got this wrong, I decided I was going to become a monk. I leaned in, and so did she. There is... Nothing like a first kiss. When I was a kid, I remember complaining about how slow the first kiss scenes in movies were. Now I know that's exactly what they're like. Seconds take forever, and the anticipation is exquisite. So what was that first kiss with Essa like? I don't know. A raft came bounding up to us, shouting our names in the dark. We were both on our feet in a second. Araf, what is it? Fergal is gone, he said, and he has taken your sword. You have been listening to Shadow Magic, a podcast novel by John Lenehan. Music gratefully provided by Lunasa. To hear more of their fabulous music, please visit their website, www.lunasa.ie. That's www.lunasa.ie. For more information about Shadow Magic or its author, please visit www.shadowmagic.co.uk. Thank you very much for listening.